On today's episode of the Pastor Mike Drop podcast, we are going to be covering all sorts of important ground. Is there a time to express our suffering to God? Is God okay with that? Uh, it, w- w- why hasn't Jesus come back yet? How do you know a true prophet from a false prophet? Should Christians take supplements for spiritual health, not just physical health? That and more on today's episode of the Pastor Mike Drop podcast. Grab a Bible, pull up a chair, and join us. Hello, faithful podcast watchers and listeners. We love you. Thank you so much for uh, tuning in uh, weekly and spreading the word and letting people know about this. That's what we're here to do: is to get God's word out there and to to uh, give it and uh, give people an opportunity not just to read it but to learn it, so that you can live it out as together as a church family here at Lutheran Church of Hope uh, in Central Iowa, based in Des Moines. We are uh, encouraging our whole church to read through the whole Holy Bible together uh, in a year and. We're like 85, 90% plus of the way through. It is (laughs) Mm -hmm. so good. We were just looking at the backdrops uh, here in the makeshift basement humble podcast studio, and we realized, gosh, we've covered most of these books now. We're, we're, Mm -hmm. we're, I have learned a ton. How about you guys? Yes. Yeah, it's been good. good. I've read through scripture so many times, but to intentionally dive into every single book every week has been, that's been transformative. Yes. And it's not just for people who haven't read it before, although that is like, wow, eye opener Mm. after eye opener, but for, for people who have read it before and sometimes dozens of times before Mm -hmm. God's word is living and active and it still speaks to us and We've got a lot to cover today. Emily, please introduce our wonderful panel of pastors yes. today. With us today, we have Pastor Jeremy Johnson. Hi, Jeremy. Hey, hello. It's good to be here. I feel like we should have an applause machine yeah. 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 in the background, right, for both you guys. Yeah. And Pastor Ashley Lenz. Yeah. Hi. Right. Yeah. Welcome. Ashley is our uh, one of our campus pastors in our Ankeny mm-hmm. location, and Jeremy... What is your title? I don't even know what your title is anymore. You're kind of like, an, I don't, I don't you just know do what it, it all. Either, yeah. yeah. Pastor who does everything. Yeah, well, no, it's just the, uh, it's, we all know this around hope. It's like, it's just saying yes to what God's doing. So, That's right. Yeah, yes. That's yeah, right. Right. for sure. That's yeah, right. Sure. And, and Emily, uh, my faithful co-host, thank you for, for being here every week and diving in. But I know it's not like I feel like I'm, you know, dragging you here. It's, it's the fun. Bible. This yeah. is the highlight of the week for us it's, every week. Yes. So with that, we have Lamentations, which is mm-hmm. not a book a lot of people think about, mm-hmm. but they should. Yeah. Uh, it's really good. It's really relevant. And Second Peter, if you thought First Peter was good, woo, wait till you see Second Peter. And so Ted Lasso, help us out. Let's get to some questions. Why don't we just jump right in? Anybody got any questions? Oh, yeah. No, should have saw that coming. Okay, what's the setting for Lamentations, and how does the literary structure of this book help us get to the heart and depth of its meaning? Well, Mike, like you just said, we were all talking about this before the podcast. Lamentations is like this gem of a book, and the setting of it is in uh, 586, around that. It was after the fall of Jerusalem. People are sent into exile, and it's this poetic reflection on all of the destruction and the pain and the agony, and so it's this poetic uh, lament of grief and and laments do they do three things it's it's a way it's a form of protest i mean think about the the lament psalms it's like why god how long are you going to hide your face god and lamentations is five chapters of this it's also uh, a way to process our grief so important and then it 
it speaks a voice of confusion. So for me, and I, I tell a lot of people, if you're going through a difficult time, it's important. Read through the book of Lamentations. You're not alone. This is biblical. And it's written the first four chapters, and we'll get to chapter five here in a couple of minutes, but the first four chapters are written in an acrostic. So each uh, part is with a different letter in the Hebrew alphabet. And the literary structure of that is so important because it shows that there is order in the midst of chaos and disorder. And so it's like literary structure, as being a literature geek, literary structure <laughs> is speaking volumes to what the writer is, is writing about in the midst of pain and suffering and agony and grief. You know, this yeah. is why it's good to have a former high school English teacher yeah. who's yeah. now an ordained <laughs> pastor start with Lamentations because more than almost any other book, this, this also happens in one of the Psalms, Psalm 119, but you mentioned it, that acrostic, using the 22 letters of the Hebrew alphabet, you know, Aleph, Bet, and, and so on and so forth. In English, we don't see that. You know, right. as, as we read the English translation of Lamentations, you wouldn't catch that. And why does it matter? Like you said, Jeremy, there's, there's an order here because there's such a disorder to our chaos. Yeah. And yeah. so it's this beautiful contrast between, okay, your life, it's the first four chapters anyway. Like I said, the fifth one's a little different, and we'll get to that. But the first four chapters are, let's bring some order to the disorder of mm-hmm. suffering. Let's, let's give you a, a way to think through this. Let, let's, let's talk about this together. And it's anonymous. We don't know who wrote this. And, but it's these, each chapter is a new poem. So there's these five different poems. It's... it's Good stuff. Yeah. Really powerful. Over and over, I'm reminded why we do this together and learn. Like, there's no way I could have known that. Well, <laughs> almost 99.9% of people reading this in English yes, and, and right. who wouldn't know what Jeremy just shared uh, and maybe what pastors get to learn about in seminary. Yes. There's no reason everybody shouldn't know this stuff. Yeah. And mm-hmm. now, it, it, even though if we're like, okay, I don't know which letter we're on right now as we go through, it doesn't matter. <laughs> just to know the whole point was, it's a poem. There's order to it. Mm-hmm. Suffering is chaotic and disorderly, and so God's giving us a way to sort that out, to think that through. I think about times when I'm suffering, and there's no way I could author a poem, an acrostic poem, (laughs) in the midst of my suffering. And so it brings so much depth and appreciation to order and chaos, but also I try to put myself in whoever did write this. They were literally going through this, and there is some vivid imagery describing their suffering and lamentations, mm-hmm. and they are taking time to honor who they know God is. We're going to see hope in the middle of this, too. Right, right. They're taking time to beautifully write this out, yeah. and I, it just brings so much more appreciation. I, I, I want to bring up a bad analogy, but my daughter, 11 years old, loves Taylor Swift. I mean, just love, everybody loves Taylor Who's Swift. Who's Taylor like Swift? Yeah, yeah, right, right. Yeah. But, <laughs> I haven't heard of her. And so, so I asked Everybody her, yeah. hears about it, even football fans. I asked her, I said, why do you like Taylor Swift? She's like, because her music is so much feeling to it. And I said, sweetheart, <laughs> that's not just music, that's poetry. Yeah. Yes, and right. Lamentation and Psalms is poetry. And what's poetry? It's the language of the heart. And that's, Ashley, what you said just made me... Think of that horrible mm-hmm. analogy. So Lamentations and Taylor Swift. All they have together. something yeah. in common. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> they, both, they both speak to suffering yeah. Yeah. <laughs> in a very real world way. It's probably also worth n- noting the more obvious thing. The book is called Lamentations. A lament mm-hmm. is somebody who's crying out, is somebody yes. who's hurting. And this isn't the only place in the Bible we see poems or, or poetry that is a lament kind of uh, style. Psalms has it, up to a third of the 150 psalms are laments. Mm-hmm. So that's not new in that sense. 
But Lamentations, that's all it is. Five poems of laments of people who are struggling and suffering, especially looking back, uh, as you were saying, Pastor Jeremy, to the, to the exile and how they deal with not being able to live where they want to live, of, of being pushed away from their homes. That's, that's, that's suffering. Yeah. Speaking of that, when, if ever, is the right time to express our grief and sadness to God and give voice to the confusion we might feel from suffering? Yes. Always, mm. always. Mm. We tend to not grieve well. Um, there just seems to be a cultural stigma around how we're going to express our grief. Mm -hmm. If we should express our grief, maybe we should hold it all together all the time. Mm -hmm. uh, I think we know that we're all going through hard things, but to actually talk about that seems like something we don't really know how to do. And you read laments, you read pieces of the Psalms, and you're like, this is actually a really biblical thing. It's part of our faith journey yeah. to present our raw feelings to God and say, I don't know where you are, and this is hard, yeah. and please show up, and please help uh, be part of my suffering. And I think that's what we learn here uh, in, in Lamentations is God's going to show up in the midst of that, and we have total permission to tell him all of our raw feelings uh, using vivid imagery and if we want to sit down and write an acrostic poem, I think that might be a healthy way to grieve. Mm -hmm. Sure. It, I, it helps you to get to the core of what's going on. Yes. You know, I, I remember when our son Trey was little and he had a Band-Aid on and I told him it was time to take his Band-Aid off. And he said, Dad, if I take my Band-Aid off, my cut's not going to heal. Oh. I said, no, buddy, mm -hmm. you got to give that thing air because it's air. It's, 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 it's uncovering that which is wounded mm -hmm. that brings you to healing. And I think that's what lament and that's what grief allows us to do. Yes. Let's speak to this too. Ashley, you alluded to this. The right time to lament like this is any time mm -hmm. that, that you're facing a tough time. We live in a world, and particularly as Midwesterners who live in the northern Midwest, and, and especially those of us who maybe have Lutheran roots, I'm just going to name it, that are, that are grounded in a stoic Scandinavianism uh, or northern Europeanism where... Culturally, we are taught, suck it up, buttercup, you know, um, right. you know, hold, hold on where and there is a little bit of a time for that, you know, whining about about things that aren't really I mean, mm -hmm. the stuff they're whining about is real. Yes, it's, yes. it's serious suffering. And so, right. There is a check there. There is a balance for let's not turn into whiners and say, well, the Bible tells us to whine about, oh, I, I broke my fingernail. God, why? You know, it, yeah. it's, it's got it's got to be a little bit more substantial than that. That said, the rest of the challenge and lamentations for me, and I hope for everybody who's listening and reading through this book of the Bible, if stoicism is what you've been taught, it's overrated. Mm -hmm. um, and it's, and it, you have, biblically, it's not like, well, that's cool if that's who you are and you don't want to burden anybody else with, right. with what you're feeling or your, your, your sadness or your heartache. The Bible actually says the opposite. Mm -hmm. It says not only express it, but express it to God. And and ask God why? How come? How does? It, why does it have to be this way? Mm -hmm. There, the Bible's really clear on this. There is such a thing as a good cry. I mean, there there is such a thing, and you have not only biblical permission, but pretty much a biblical mandate yes. to say, quit taking your suffering and why? Because when we don't let our suffering out, when we don't express it, because we're trying to be heroic and not burden anybody else mm -hmm. with with our problems it typically comes out sideways. Yes. It typically ends up shooting out of us in a way that is, you know, anger or 
or uh, grief unexpressed that comes out is something that's just completely random and not necessarily related, but it is related Mm -hmm. because we didn't deal with it. We didn't deal with what's really going on inside. That's a challenge to me. I'm not saying that like, so follow me on this because I was taught stoicism. I I was taught be tough Mm -hmm. and, and you rub some dirt in it. Uh, you know, and, and, oh, grandma died, get over it. You know, that, that, that'll be okay. And she's in heaven. So it's all good. Yeah. But I'm sad. Yeah. It'll be okay. Right. You just said, you just said it. We are, it'll be okay. It'll be okay. This is a season. It'll be okay. Mm-hmm. We should feel in the middle of that, like real emotions are part of our lived human experience. Jesus had real emotions. Jesus grieved. He lost friends. He was rejected. He faced suffering. Um, I think, the degree to which we can experience truly feel the depth of suffering and grief is also the degree to which we can experience joy yep. and hope. So if we dismiss one, uh, we're never going to appreciate the fullness that God really has for us. Listen mm. to Jesus on the cross. Yeah. Yes. He quotes a lament Psalm, yep. Psalm 22, my God, my God, why, why have you forsaken me? Yeah. He didn't have words in his grief. No. So he used the words of God's word. Mm-hmm. And he didn't just keep it to himself mm-hmm. either. Yep. He, he let it out. Ashley, you're right. If we want to experience the fullness of life, it's not going to just be celebrating the joys. It's going to be also expressing the sorrows. And when we don't, because it isn't honest with how we're feeling, that's what I mean by it comes out sideways. It can mm-hmm. come out as unchecked anger. It can come out as family dysfunction. Well, we don't talk about that. You know how good it would be for you if you could? Right. And if you did, yes. uh, it comes out sometimes as cynicism and maybe worse, it can come out as hopelessness because at a certain point, if I don't talk about it and express it, and then I just start to get worn down and, and I either get cynical about everything in the world, mm-hmm. which is t- often a sign that people aren't in touch with, with the hurt. If you had a way to express that, you would carry more hope, less cynicism. Uh, and that's ultimately what Lamentations is not really ultimately a bummer. Right. It's a very honest reminder. Mm-hmm. Sometimes life is really hard yep. and it's really tough. And isn't it great that God gives us a script? He's not, he's not saying, hey, just you know, keep that to yourself. Hold on to it. And, and people with mature faith never get sad. He's saying people, and you gave the example, Jeremy, Jesus on the cross has the most mature yeah. uh, example for us. And he expressed it. So mm-hmm. we're yeah. called to express this. There is such a thing as a good cry. Yes. And the greatest hymn of the church comes out of Lam- uh, Lamentations 3, Great is Thy Faithfulness. Mm. Ooh, yeah. Yeah. Sing right it. There. Yeah. Go ahead, Jeremy. I, oh, I, I'll let you guys <laughs> With your that, beautiful uh, soloist uh, voice. Uh, yeah, right. No, we'll leave the <laughs> listeners yeah. to that, that to their imagination. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Uh, what does the fifth chapter and poem of Lamentations stand out from for the first four chapters, and how can we make sense of the rather abrupt ending of this book? So the acrostic thing we talked about at the beginning, Jeremy, that you raised, it just falls apart here in chapter five. And again, that's on purpose. It's almost as if to say, look, we're breaking the whole pattern here. Um, the acrostic, and anybody who's reading this in Hebrew the first time through would be like, oh, wait, it's the same length, the same length of a poem, same number of verses. 22, there's 22 letters in the Hebrew alphabet, but this time it's not letter by letter, which is as if to say, at a certain point, the suffering becomes some, so overwhelming that we can't hold it together anymore. And so this is uh, an example of God's people crying out to God, begging God uh, in the midst of their devastation, don't forget us. It's You talked about Jesus on the cross expressing, my God, my God, why is why have you forsaken me? Remember one of the thieves on the cross who expressed, Jesus, remember me mm-hmm. when you come into your kingdom. Here's a, here's, a, here's a man who's dying and his life is over, the world would say, 
but he has some hope that this Jesus is the Messiah and might be able to save him into a new life, an eternal life. And what does Jesus say to him? Today, I tell you, you'll be with me in paradise. What, what a hopeful word. So Lamentations chapter 5 is distinctive from the other ones. And then it ends. I mean, it starts verse 1, Lord, remember us. Remember what has happened to us. See how we've been disgraced. And then just begging God. Th- things like um, verse 15, joy has left our hearts. Our dancing has turned to mourning. Verse 17, our hearts are sick and weary. Our eyes grow dim with tears. Uh, and then you think, oh, but it's going to turn and God's going to win. But, but, but you, God, are with us. We're going to be okay. And there is a little turn, verse 19, but Lord, you remain the same forever. Your throne continues from generation to generation. So in our suffering, not just the people who, the anonymous author, the poet who wrote Lamentations, but, but yours and mine and everybody who's listening to us, in our very real world suffering, all of a sudden it ends in the most abrupt way and with a question, restore us, O Lord, and bring us back to you again. Give us back the joys we once had. We're begging you, please. Or have you utterly rejected us? Are you angry with us still? Mm-hmm. End of poem. Yep. End of book. <clears throat> end. end of the laments <laughs> in all the Bible. And it ends with, are you there, God? Are, are you listening? Did, mm-hmm. do, are, we're begging you to remember us. Do you? And we know in the totality of Scripture, the answer comes with a resounding yes. But when you're in the suffering, your acrostic pattern, the order breaks down. Mm -hmm. All you're left with is disorder, Mm -hmm. except that's not all you're left with. You do have a God you can talk to and ask the question, are you there? And ultimately and eventually the answer comes, absolutely, I'm here. I'm, Mm -hmm. I'm with you. Your suffering will not last. But joy, you know, what does the Bible say in, in before this? Suffering may last for the night, but joy comes in the morning. What good news. I, I love the fact that Lamentations really goes from the personal to chapter five, we get to the communal. Yeah. And this is a, a communal prayer uh, that speaks into that, that grief that's shared, not just personally, but communally, because we do life together. Yeah, yeah. that's great. Um, if faith alone saves us, help our podcast listeners make sense of Peter's call to supplement faith with moral excellence, knowledge, self-control, patient endurance, godliness, brotherly affection, and love for everyone. Yeah. So we switched gears here. We switched. Long list. <laughs> second, yes, it is. Second Peter. I love it. Um, yes. Faith alone. We are saved by grace through faith. Mm-hmm. We tend to think of faith as knowledge. I know Jesus. Therefore, I'm saved. Mm. Biblically speaking, there's another lens to this. Uh, That is true. And uh, our faith is also who we are and what we do. So when Peter says, uh, here's how you're going to live this out, we're not being saved by those works. But because we have this knowledge of Jesus, because our hearts have been changed, because this law has been written on our hearts, uh, that flows out of every single thing we do all the time. Uh, Our culture so highly values knowledge, knowledge, right? And the Jewish lens, the Eastern lens would have been, that is equal to action. And we so easily dismiss actually living out what Jesus has called us to do. We're supposed to be just like him and live like him. And that's a pretty high calling. (laughs) I love the way you did both those things. You said, it is faith alone that saves us, which is what scripture gives witness to. And yet that faith gets lived out Mm -hmm. on this list. And so the knowledge which is where too much, too many times and too many examples, that's where faith ends for the Christian. It's mm-hmm. what I know, as mm-hmm. you just said. If we're going to live that out, 
then Peter's giving us a really nice list here. Here's the things to strive for. Here's the things to aim for. Here's the goals. And one of the things Peter's doing, I mean, if you can kind of picture Peter and all the ups and downs that he went through and what we talked about last week and what you've heard in sermons this past weekend, whatever, you know, campus you go to at Hope, if you're a part of Hope, if you're not a part of Hope, as you're reading through Peter, Peter is who Peter is, but he's also this brilliant guy who's saying, look, um, and because it's Peter, you realize he's speaking from a place of experience. Mm-hmm. He's, he's, he's speaking from a place of real world, real life. I've been there. I know what it's like. I, I know th- what faith is, and I know it's more than just knowledge. It's yeah. more than just to what we know. I love the way Peter ends this list. He says, love for everyone. That's the NLT translation um, in Second Peter chapter 1. Um, and the, the list starts around verse 5 and goes on for the next few verses. Mm-hmm. But he ends with love. And right before that, it's brotherly affection, translation in the NLT. But the Greek words there are actually Philadelphia and agape. So it's as you move from knowledge into activating your faith, it's going to ultimately lead to the greatest commandment. Mm -hmm. Peter's been paying attention. He's been taking notes. When he followed Jesus, Jesus said, Peter, the greatest commandment is love. It's not being right. It's not being religious. It's not being morally perfect or pure. The greatest commandment for followers of Jesus, the most mature followers of Jesus, if we're going to go to the end of the list, it's going to end in agape love, which is grace-based, which is put you first ahead of me. It's the most challenging kind of love to live out. The, the word before in Greek originally, that Philadelphia means a brotherly love, a, a sisterly love, I guess you could say too, a love between two people that they share as friends, that they share um, as compatriots, as, as buddies, as pals. Um, who do life together in, in, you know, our best friends. That's great, but there's an even greater thing. So as we grow Mm -hmm. from faith to living out that faith, the greatest of these is this love where you give yourself away. Yes. I think about that intellect and knowledge can lead you, experience changes you. And so as he goes from an intellectual to an experiential, he's going from being led by Jesus to being transformed and changed by Mm -hmm. Jesus. And we see that throughout Peter's life. Yes. There's also also this other word, self-control, that's in the middle of that list. That (laughs) Mm -hmm. also ends up in Galatians 5 as one of the fruit, you know, on the list of the fruit of the Spirit. Mm -hmm. Self-control is one that we like to gloss over as Christians. And we like to sound like the world when we say things, ah, it's just born this way. This is who I am. I'm greedy. I'm a gossiper. I'm a cheater. I'm... Uh, I'm a I'm a guy who's promiscuous or or whatever. I, that's just me, you know. I mean, that's the way God made me. If he if he didn't want me to do that, he wouldn't have made me this way. And so I start to excuse all sorts of things. My, you know, I could I could excuse pride. I could excuse all sorts of things. And this list, Peter is a Peter of all people, mm-hmm. who was the real active jump in the water. You know, before you even put your whole robe on. The, the, this, this is Peter. He's like, yeah, but self control. Mm-hmm. And maybe because he's challenged by it, like all of us are, if we're going to be honest. But when we're really living out our faith and, and grooving, it's it's ultimately going to all roads lead to love and that agape, grace-based love. But along the way, self-control is an important spiritual discipline to learn. Just because I want to do it doesn't mean it's good. Just just because I have the freedom to do it doesn't mean I should. Mm-hmm. And the Bible's very clear on that elsewhere, too. Yeah, so really Peter's good. picking up on some big themes. Still speaking from experience, Peter is. Speaking he from very he good denies experience. Jesus, yeah. right? Yeah. Self-control. Jesus tells him, you're going to deny me three times. And Peter says, no, Lord, I would never do that. Mm. <laughs> a few verses later, sure enough. It's a really good point, Pastor yeah. Ashley, that if, if Peter's 
going to say that you can have self-control. You can have self-control. We can all do it. Yeah. We, we, if he can get it, if he can get there, we can get there. <laughs> how did, how did Peter know that he must soon leave this earthly life? And what's the connection between that revelation and prophecy? So at the end of John's gospel, uh, there's this story where Jesus restores Peter. We've talked about that. Mm-hmm. Feed my sheep, feed my sheep, feed my lambs. Do you love me, Peter? Do you love me, Peter? And so at the end of that, it's John chapter 21. And then it's starting uh, around, the, around the 18th verse going in. It says, uh, Jesus says to Peter, the truth is, when you were young, you were able to do as you liked and go wherever you wanted to. But when you're old... You will stretch out your hands and others will direct you and take you where you don't want to go. Jesus said this to let him know what kind of death he would die to glorify God. And then Jesus told him, follow me. Second Peter is Peter's farewell letter. Peter knew that this was the end and he knew it because Jesus had told him that this is the way it's going to go. And it wasn't like a punishment to Peter, but Peter had been transformed like we just talked about. He'd been changed and saw his life as a calling to live out to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so this also was this combative statement, sorry, uh, that people were doubting the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. Mm -hmm. Was that really real? Mm -hmm. And so Peter's also saying this whole prophecy of the Old Testament, everything led to the fact that there would be this one that would enter into the world, who would give his life, who would be raised from the dead, and in that would transform our world, would save us from our sins. And so the, the revelation and the, of all of this is Peter being willing to go to the cross or be, go to be able to be put to death, uh, to live out this call that Jesus had on his life. And so all of the prophecies of the Old Testament were summed up in the death and resurrection of Jesus. Mm. You know, it makes me think uh, just now, this, I, I really think this applies Peter is saying how important these revelations are to combat those who are doubting that Jesus is really all that, that the longer we get away from something, the more we tend to forget um, just how great it was. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and so we, we lose or, or we forget the, the important details of what really happened. Yeah. Peter's saying, hey, for those of you who are doubting, I was there. I saw this. I, I was at Jesus' baptism where the heavens opened. Uh, a precursor for the heaven's opening when Jesus died on the cross at the end of the Gospels. But I was there when Jesus was baptized. I heard the voice speaking down from heaven. This is my this is my beloved son. I was there on the mountaintop at the transfiguration when that happened again, when the same voice of God from heaven came down, bellowing down and said, this is my beloved son, uh, this Jesus. I've, I've received it. Not only have I received a revelation, as you're saying, Pastor Jeremy, uh, which is where it all starts, that I know when I'm going to die. So here are, here are my last words. This is my last letter to you. That's from God. But I also have had the revelation of seeing who Jesus really is. I think that's why one of the reasons why it's so important for us to be church together, to show up for worship, to show up for Bible studies, to tune into a podcast, to, to do the things. To, why it's important to read the Bible. So we don't forget. Mm-hmm. So, so we're reminded. And the rhythm we've been created to is God says, you got to do that at least once a week. You gather together in community. Have a Sabbath day where a part of that Sabbath rest is you rest spiritually. You renew yourselves by coming together as, as the body of Christ in community and doing these things in a way that reminds you so you don't forget. Jesus is awesome. Yes. And, and, and let's, let's, let's focus in on another part of Scripture that reminds us of who God is. It's... People's like, well, I already know. 
Yeah, but if we, we're human beings, and if we aren't reminded over and over again, if, if I have a marriage with my wife and I never see her, or I, I never connect with her, never hang out, we never do things together, well, it's, gonna, it's not going to be as good as God wants it to be. It's not going to be as good as I would want it to be, or sh- hopefully she would want it to be. <laughs> Hi, baby. So, so I want that to reach its full potential. Well, we have to spend time together. We got to spend time with God so that we can be reminded of these revelations that Peter's looking at. So we can be reminded who... Jesus is and just how great he is. And then he connects the dots and he says, uh, not only that, but when it comes to all these other people who are leading you astray from how great Jesus is, I need you to know that every word that prophets have spoken that is in scripture did not come from them. It came from God. It isn't just a bunch of people who want to wish upon a star, like make up a invisible man as, as people mock Christianity from the outside looking in and, 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 and invent this God. It's putting our faith in a God who actually is. Peter's giving witness and testimony to it. And then he reminds us one more revelation is all the prophecies are revelations of God, God's word prophesied and proclaimed to his people. And what's really important, Peter, is to say is to make sure we start with God's agenda, not our own when we do that. Original sources matter. So when Peter has been there as an eyewitness to see the heavens open at least twice, and if Peter has been there to see Jesus' miracles, to to see him walk on water, and for Peter to get out of the boat with him, to all these things, Peter's saying, don't forget who he is. And there's a lot of false prophets out there who are trying to de-emphasize him, Jesus, by emphasizing their own agenda. You're going to get lost if you follow them, Peter's saying. Consider the sources. Make sure you you are taking God's word and not just what people want God to say. Mm-hmm. Really important. Yeah. yeah. Speaking of that, who are the clever false teachers and the ungodly followers Peter refers to in this book uh, in chapter 2, verses 1 through 22? And do these words of warning still have relevance for us today? Yeah, they do. We, we don't know for sure who these false teachers are because Peter doesn't name them. Uh, but he gives us clues in the text. Verse 1 of Second Peter 2, uh, they are the ones who cleverly teach destructive heresies. Verse 2, they practice shameful immorality. Verse 10, they have a twisted sexual desire and despise authority. Verse 10, they're proud and arrogant. Verses 11 to 15, they're unthinking animals. I mean, Peter's holding nothing back. <laughs> unthinking animals, creatures of instinct. They indulge in evil pleasures. They delight in deception as they eat with you. Isn't that just rich? So they pretend to be your friend. I'm sure we can all kind of sadly think of examples. Mm-hmm. They pretend to be your religious friend, but they have another agenda. They commit adultery with their eyes. They lure unstable people into sin. They're well-trained in greed. They try to use religion to make money. Um, they brag about themselves. They promise freedom, but they're slaves to sin. And they're, fi- they're promising freedom in something less than Christ. And then Peter just he puts it right out there. He says, they're like dogs that return to their vomit and eat it up, mm-hmm. which is disgusting. Yeah. And that's Peter's point. Yeah. So are these false prophets. They're disgusting. They are just that. They're the pigs that come back to the mud. Uh, that's, that's also Peter's phrase. And he's purposely saying it is disgusting to think about that. And Peter's saying, and it should be discussed just as disgusting to you to think about following a false gospel, following false teaching from these false prophets who are, again, de-emphasizing Jesus, overemphasizing their agendas and what they want religion to be all about. 
if our faith becomes about something, if we define our Christianity on anything less than Jesus' death and resurrection on the cross, whether it be the social issues of our day, whether it be wars in the Middle East, whether it be uh, or anywhere else, if we say that ultimately that's the test of what kind of Christian you are, we have missed the entire point mm-hmm. Peter is saying. If it's anything less than Jesus' death and resurrection, primary, those things are, are we can talk about those things, and they're not that they aren't important, but they're secondary compared to the death and resurrection of Jesus. And we don't get to vote on that. Peter's saying as, as much as we might want our faith to be all about what we want it to be about, it's about Jesus. Mm-hmm. I love, oh, go on. I'm sorry. I was just going to say, I love verse 9. So kind of in the middle of Peter really ranting about these false teachers. He also says, so you see, the Lord knows how to rescue godly people from their trials, yes. even while keeping the wicked under punishment until the day of final judgment. Mm. He wants them to know God is still with them as they're mm-hmm. facing all of these false teachers and false, false prophets. Like God's going to rescue you, tying straight back to our lament, uh, lamentations readings today too. God's in the middle of all of that. And that's what's been so fun about this year is, you know, we've said time and time again, we don't want people to be biblically literate. We want them to be biblically fluent. Even better. And so in that, it's it's so relevant today because we don't do what we want to do. We don't preach what we want to preach. We base everything we do on God's word and what God says and what God what God has done and what He's calling us to do, and not our convenient, which the false teachers were doing, their convenient twist of they they would take things, they'd proof text mm-hmm. and use it to elevate themselves and to elevate their position and to give them permission to do what was very contrary to what 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 God's word really said in its totality. Mm. Second part of that question is: Is it still relevant for us today? And and it is. I mean, obvious examples of false prophets using religion, as Peter just lays it out. They're trying to make money off of people in dishonest ways. But it's not... So those are the obvious Mm -hmm. character examples almost. But it could also be any church or ministry leader. This is is a good, sobering reminder to all of us who are called into ministry as pastors and ministers and leaders and church staff or volunteer leaders in a church. Any of us could be tempted to say, hmm... I want this to be about what I want this to be about instead of what Scripture reveals it's about. Um, it, it's, it's tempting to use, especially if you're given positions of power, it's tempting to use that for, for other agendas other than God's agenda. Um, and when that happens, Peter's saying, guess what? God's against it. <laughs> no big surprise, but God's against it. And as you said, Pastor Ashley, the examples, look, look at Noah and Lot, because a lot of people say, oh, this world is just falling apart, though. And so how can we keep the faith in a world that's completely falling apart? And we see, sadly, again this week, another story about a big-time uh, church leader uh, in Kansas City, in this case, who fell, or at least is accused of falling, and there's allegations, and there's scandal, mm-hmm. and, and all these things. We say, well, who's, who's left? There was Noah it, when the whole world was mm-hmm. falling apart, and in Sodom and Gomorrah, there was a lot. Yeah. And Peter uses those examples on purpose to say, even if everything else is falling apart, you have no excuse. You keep the faith. You keep your eyes on God, the one who is, was, and always will be. Um, and that I, I find actually very hopeful. It's like there, yeah. Yeah. that faith ultimately will be rewarded. Mm-hmm. I think that's the temptation is if I steer off the course, I can get more money, more power, more success, more whatever, more fame. And all those things are like vapor. They vanish. God's word being fluent and God's Mm -hmm. word reminds us. But the stuff that lasts forever, 
Well, it's what Lot put his faith in. It's what Noah put his faith in. And they're rewarded for it. So look, folks, the world's falling apart. <laughs> Keep the faith. Yeah. Now's the time, more than ever. Yeah. Why is knowing Jesus but falling back into sin worse than never knowing the way of righteousness? There's um, an analogy that's used a lot of time that the, the truth about Jesus is like somebody taking the prison door and opening it wide open and saying, you've been imprisoned and now you've been set free. And when we know that freedom, and, and look, Paul talks about it a lot. He says, the things I don't want to do, I do. The things that I, I want to do, I don't do. Oh, what a wretched... There's a reality of sin. So there's a reality that all of us will... will we're, none of us are perfect. Yeah. But Peter's saying, don't willingly go back into that prison that has held you captive. You, if you don't know the freedom, you can't be faulted for not stepping into that freedom. When you, don't, when you know that freedom... Peter, Peter's saying, don't go back. Like, you know how much better the world can kind of trick you to think that, oh, well, maybe if I can grab the reins of my life and go back the way to the truth I want to create, maybe that's going to ultimately be better for me. And Peter's saying, no, you've been down that road before. You know where that road leads you to stay out of the prison that has, that door has been swung open Mm -hmm. for you. Yeah. That's the definition of sin, right? (laughs) We know freedom. And if you consciously choose to miss the mark, mm-hmm. I'm going to choose not to live in that freedom. That is missing God's best intention for you. And that is, that is sin. Mm-hmm. It is. There's a, um, P- Peter is really bold. We know this just from his personality in the gospels. That continues on here in his epistle as he's writing. He's really challenging us. If, if we take it for what he's actually saying and we don't just gloss through it and say, okay, I read second Peter, soak it up. And take this in. Peter knows through his own denial how it feels to miss the mark, mm-hmm. to, to right. sin, as you just said, Pastor Ashley. And and yet he was restored and given another chance. And now, ironically, as we talked about earlier, he's writing his last letter and he knows it. God revealed, I'm going to be dying soon. And how does Peter end up dying? Historically, we know he's, he's executed for his faith. Um, and legend has it, they were going to crucify him, and he said, crucify me upside down because I'm not worthy mm-hmm. to be crucified yeah. the same way Jesus was. How he's grown from the guy who the first time he felt like his life was physically at stake, denied Jesus three times, to now he's like, huh, it's not worth it. I'm going to be Lot and Noah in the face of everything else falling apart. I'm going to keep the faith even if they execute me, and they did. I, I'm, it's it's worth it to me to hold on to it. I'm not going to let go of Jesus no matter what. Mm-hmm. Now, hardly any of us will ever get put in that situation where where we we have the the wonder. It's, as much as there is no perfect government or country, we live in a country where we have the freedom to have this podcast where we can talk about mm-hmm. Jesus. Where in some countries, big ones around the world today, if we were talking about Jesus like this, it would be edited out. Uh, and it would not be allowed to go into the public airwaves that way. And so they, the church would have to go underground in order to express what they're doing and run the risk of being imprisoned or or worse for it. Peter was in that world, unlike where we are. So most of us won't have to make that kind of moral call, but we do in other ways, you know, less um, life and death, physically life and death ways, this side of heaven. And Peter is saying, look, you should know better. When I was a senior in high school, played on the basketball team, our coach, Mr. Hood, um, you know, practice legally couldn't start till November 1st. So he had from second day of school 
something called conditioning, uh, which was <laughs> looked a whole lot like basketball practice, uh, you know, and it went from 2.15 to 6 p.m. every day. Wow. And it was, yeah, he was a Marine and it was intense very intense. Conditioning. And so the 12 of us and Mr. Hood would hang out in this gym at Taft High School on the north side of Chicago, which famously, by the way, is the same high school where the guy who wrote Grease went and oh. based it on his time at my high school. Wow. Yeah, I know. Crazy. So um, that's, that's the setting. It's this little teeny smelly gym uh, on the north side of Chicago, right off the Kennedy Expressway. And that's where I spent pretty much every afternoon uh, for three years uh, because he also had summer practices, but didn't call them practices. <laughs> it was also conditioning in spring. But Mr. Hood, my senior year, named three of us co-captains. And it wasn't because we were the best players. It's just because he wanted us to be the captains and we were seniors. And he said, you're going to be the leaders. After the second practice of the year, uh, conditioning of the year, uh, third day of school, second practice, he was disappointed. We could tell he was disappointed. He blew the whistle at 6 p.m., sent everybody home into the locker room. He said, captains, I want you to stay. And he got in our face and he said, you should know better. You should know better. You do not show up here and give this kind of effort again. Mm. And it's on you, not me, he said, to make sure the rest of the team, because you're captains, this is who you are. It's up to you to make sure the rest of the team doesn't show up like they did today and give me a half effort uh, at, at practice. You should know better because of who you are. That's what Peter's saying. Mm -hmm. Christian, you should know better. You, you have no excuse. Not only should you do this for you, you should do this for the world around you too. You should quit phoning it in. You should quit giving a half effort. You should know better because so much is depending on it. There's a part of me, I mean, the old, you know, athletic kind of history I have. I know you do too. Mm -hmm. You do too. And, and Emily, you oh. were all stayed in multiple sports. Of course. Yes. <laughs> that, that there's a part of me that just can connect to this so deeply. Yeah. Because Peter is saying, look, if you're going to give your all to anything, mm -hmm. why wouldn't it be Jesus? It's mm -hmm. why I tell staff every week, give Jesus your best. Yes. We should know better. We've been called to be leaders, and we're not going to do it perfectly. I'm not going to do it perfectly. That's not the point. But Peter is saying, consistently, you should be showing up with everything you've got every day for Jesus, mm -hmm. for the Lord, to say, God, what are you going to do through me today? Mm -hmm. It's not a bad way to live. Yeah. Add-in question. When you watch Grease, do you feel like you're back in high school? <laughs> Is this from you or one of our watch? Yeah. <laughs> when I watch Grease, it's more the California version on TV. Ah. The Broadway play was more the Chicago version, which is Ooh. what it was originally. Um, so, yeah, I mean, and I... This is really embarrassing, but I was in Greece in college. Oh, uh, I wow. never had been in a musical in my whole life because I played sports and all that, and you had to kind of pick one. But my senior year, my buddy, who had a really good voice, talked me into. He's like, "It's Greece. It's your high school. You gotta, you gotta try out for this." And I did, and I ended up being the the slimy. Uh, local oh, no. radio DJ Vince Fontaine. Oh, yes. only thing I want to say is enjoy yourselves, have a ball. Because, like we always say, at the Big Fifteen where the jocks hang out. If you're having fun, then you're number one. Whoa. And some, yeah, I could go on. There, there's a whole. It's funny how you. I was so scared. Yeah, I had those things drilled into my. I mean, I was uh -huh. so memorized. I was ready to roll. I still have dreams that I'm in that plane. I don't my, know my lines. Isn't I only had like five wild? lines, but I. <laughs> I still, you went to the same college, you yeah. know, the musicals were a big deal. Big deal. And Did you notice they didn't give me a singing part. Well, I was going to ask you, like, <laughs> it sounds like you've gone over that part, like just a, a different More times. Than once. Like, yeah, I still got I'll it. I'll never yeah. forget it's it. It's not like you it. haven't had other stage 
uh, no. occurrences since then, but no. you still right. remember that I'm one. I'm still nervous on every station I stand yeah. on. Yeah. Mm-hmm. This was good detail. Thank you. I, yeah. It, as a quick aside, for those who watch our podcast so faithfully, and we're at the end, getting toward the end of this one, one question to go. I couldn't sing, but they made me the lead dancer on the chorus. <laughs> so I was oh, the, boy. yeah. Uh, that's this is great. Yeah, don't don't spread that around. But uh, for our podcast listeners, now you know. <laughs> Good tidbit. If there's ever dancing with the pastors, I'm going to win. <laughs> okay, what explanation does Peter offer for those who question the promise that Jesus will return soon? Yes, uh, essentially, Peter tells them God doesn't work on your time frame. Uh, he doesn't work in chronological time. God's going to work on His own time. So be prepared. We can look for an answer all we want, but. That would be us wanting to be God, and we are not God. And so Peter says, you're going to wait, and patience is really good, and God's going to show up in the midst of your patience, Mm -hmm. and he is coming back. I mean, we know this to be true. It's how Peter begins his letter and he ends his letter. Like, this is going to happen. So therefore, in the meantime, be prepared. Be prepared. Live differently. Look differently. You're called to a higher purpose. Um, Verse 15, this is chapter 3, verse 15. Remember, our Lord's patience gives people time to be saved. Uh, He wants, well, he says it earlier, he does not want anyone to be destroyed, but wants everyone to repent. Uh, The call is God is coming back, not on our time frame. It is happening. And God wants everyone to experience new heaven and new earth when that happens. Until he comes back again, we have work to do. Yes. Everybody, we have work to do. Heaven, it's one of the things we say at Hope all the time. God's desire is that heaven would be crowded. Mm-hmm. So let's get to work on, on helping that to happen. Put it all in context. These are Peter's last words. Yes. This is the last, the last paragraphs of his last letter. Mm-hmm. This is Peter, hero of the faith, who's saying, no more excuses, step it up, keep the faith. Don't just stop with your faith at what you believe and what you know. Live it out. Endure suffering, which connects to our Old Testament readings, lamentations. Hang in there. Um, you know, go for this list. Strive for this. Make love your ultimate goal. Uh, don't let the false prophets throw you off. Uh, don't minimize Jesus. Don't de-emphasize him for things that you might want your religion to be all about. Follow instead of lead. Mm-hmm. Let Jesus lead. We follow. And then Peter also saying, for those, you know, Jeremy, you said before, some people were complaining, maybe Jesus isn't all that. Now they're saying, maybe Jesus isn't really coming back. And Peter's saying, yeah, but uh, this is where that famous line comes from. I think it's famous. A day is like a thousand years to the Lord, and a thousand mm-hmm. years is like a day. Mm-hmm. And as you were saying, Pastor Ashley, so eloquently, the whole point of Jesus not coming back yet is because he's so good. He's giving us a chance to be saved. Mm-hmm. But Peter even lays it out with that mm-hmm. language, as, as you pointed us to. It's God doesn't want anyone to be destroyed, which is consistent with the rest of Scripture that says it's God's will that everyone would be saved. So he's like, I, I don't want to say what God is like, like what he's thinking, but what Peter is saying God is doing is giving us time mm-hmm. and, and also giving the church time to fulfill our mission, um, to to go and make disciples of all nations, to go and spread this good news, to go and tell people there's a better way and a deeper truth and a more abundant life waiting for them. Um, this is good stuff. Well, it shouldn't surprise us. This is Peter. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and ultimately, in all of this, Peter is saying, whatever you do, keep the faith. Mm-hmm. And that is our word for you today, folks. Thanks for tuning in. Wherever you go, whatever you're up against, um, God is with you. You're not alone. As Lamentation tells us, as Second Peter tells us, whatever you do, keep the faith. Uh, we'll see you next week, and we'll see you next week. 
for joining us today. Please make sure to like and subscribe on your favorite platform, and we'll see you next time. Oh,